to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering of Southcrest Baptist Church. To learn more about The Venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Man, I hope uh, you're like me. That song gets me fired up, man. It's such an incredible song to sing and, uh, and focus, uh, or really just remind us of what Jesus has done for us, that all of what we have, our, our, our life, uh, spiritual life is because of Christ. And so, man, hope you enjoy worship with us. We're gonna sing another song at the end, How Great Thou Art, amazing hymn, looking forward to that. Hey, if you have your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter two, verses one through five. Uh, Pastor Dave and I both are in uh, Colossians 2, 1 through 5 this morning and looking forward to it. And as you're turning to Colossians chapter 2, uh, I want to maybe stir your memory a little bit. I'm sure that all of us have a memory like this, whether you're currently in school or you know, grew up going to school, whatever. Uh, we've had this experience where you're in class and the, the teacher or the professor is talking. You're not really paying attention. You're just kind of zoned out. And then they, they end their lecture with, or their... Uh, their talk there and they say, all right, so make sure you really heard all that I said because all that I said is gonna be on the pop quiz or the test. And all of a sudden you're like, could, could you go back and could you, I missed some of that. Could you repeat some of what you just said? Because all of a sudden you realize that what you were maybe not really paying attention to can actually help you a lot. Like it, it would be good for your, uh, if you're a small child for your safety, cause you don't want to get a spanking because you got a bad grade on uh, the test or the quiz. So you realize, man, this is really important. I need to pay attention. Um, we've all had that experience. I remember, unless you're a perfect student, which probably not. I remember uh, Lauren and I, my wife had the opportunity to go on a hot air balloon ride in Santa Fe. Really, really cool. The guy's name was Johnny Lewis. Johnny was the man. Totally recommend him. A little shout out to Johnny Lewis. Anyways, uh, we're getting in the hot air balloon. It's super early. It's, I think he picked us up from the hotel like at 4.30 a.m., not a lie. So this is an early adventure. So we're getting, uh, we're in the hot air balloon. We're not lifted yet, but we're in the hot air balloon. It's probably 5.30, 5.45 a.m. And he's talking to us about what we need to do and what's gonna happen. And I remember uh, he said, he had his hand on the, uh, the device that, releases the hot air into the balloon, which was very, 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 almost like deafening loud. And so he had been talking and he said, whatever you do, you wanna make sure, and right when he said you wanna make sure, he squeezed that device so this deafening noise happened. And I didn't realize he was joking with this. I thought he really was just trying to tell us. So I looked at Lauren, I was like, what did he just say? And he, he let go of the device and he said, again, I, I just wanna make sure no matter what you do, you have to make sure that you, and he kept talking and squeezed the device again. So I was like, Johnny, we can't hear you. What are you saying? And he was like, Brandon, calm down. I'm just messing with you, man. Like, I'm just trying to have a good time. But it was stressing me out because I was under the impression that what he was saying, I did not need to miss because it was for my safety, for my benefit, for my well-being. In scripture, so often, I think we can, we can read through something. And if we're honest, maybe because we grew up in church, we grow kind of numb to it or we just forget or don't realize how important, how serious it is that we really should kind of be leaning in and like, okay, God, what are you saying? Or, and like, God used Paul to write Colossians. Paul, Paul, what are you saying? I wanna make sure I don't miss this. So with that mindset and to help encourage you to lean in a little bit, even though we're gonna do verses one through five, I wanna start with verse four to maybe pique your interest of like, hey, I don't need to miss this. Uh, 
So if you're with me, read down in verse four of chapter two of Colossians. He says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. I want to read verse four one more time. I say this, so he says, what I've just said in verses one through three, three, I say this so that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. So Paul says, I'm telling you what I just told you in verses one through three, so that no one may come along and lead you astray from Christ, deceive you, mislead you with an argument that just sounds good. It sounds trendy. It sounds like, yeah, that's kind of what's going on in our times today. It sounds right. He says, I don't want anyone to lead you away from Christ, to lead you into faulty thinking, to a misunderstanding of the Bible, to a misunderstanding of God, just because their argument sounds good. He says, Make sure you heard what I said because I don't want you to be led astray. I don't want your faith to be wavering, to be found faulty, to be found unstable, unsteady, unsteadfast. You know, the, uh, we've been watching a lot of Frozen at our house during these times and uh, the song from Frozen 2 has it right that I can't sing like Pastor David, by the way, but here it is. Some things never change. See, I told you I couldn't sing. Uh, <laughs> don't laugh. <laughs> um, uh, by the way, I got Pastor David and Miss Laura back here, so no pressure. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Hi there. Um, anyways, uh, some things really don't change. Now, I know we're in a time of change. It feels like it right now, but some things don't change and that is that the enemy is always, the enemy being Satan, by the way, is always trying to lead God's people away from him. He's been doing that since Genesis 3. He's been doing it for a while. And he doesn't really have any new tactics. His tactic is to lie, to give you an argument that sounds plausible. It sounds good. It sounds right. And he, he uses people, right? Do you know that every single message, every piece of media, you could say, has a motive, always. You you can watch a cartoon and I promise you there is some sort of motive. It's not always bad, but there's always a motive. There's always an agenda. Some things don't change. Even 2000 years ago, Satan was trying to delude, trying to pull people away from Christ and he still does that today. So Paul's heart in Colossians is, I can promise you our heart as a church, church leadership, but more importantly, it's God's heart, that no one would pull you away from Christ, that no one would delude you, that no one would lead you away from the true firm foundation of placing your faith and trust in Christ and him being your everything, to realize that without Christ, I'd have nothing. I'd be lost without him, like we just sang. Rather than being deluded, God's heart is that we would be stable, that we would be steadfast, that we would be like a rock, or like Psalm 1 says, that we would be a, a tree planted by streams of living water, that our faith would not waver. I mean, we've, all, we've all known people like that. I remember, uh, I guess it was three or four years ago, it doesn't matter, but we had gone to, taking the college students to the Passion Conference, and it was in Houston, um, and one of the breakout sessions, Beth Moore uh, spoke, and she just kind of shared about her walk with Christ and what her quiet time looks like and stuff like that. And I remember we left that session, and Several of the students and, and myself and, and Lauren, my wife, were all like, man, there's, there's something special about her. Like, what, what is it that, she seems so stable and grounded in her faith. What is it? I don't want to be someone that falls away, that is 
on the mountaintop one day, but then the next day I'm like, I don't even know if God exists. I don't want to be like that. I want to be stable. You know, the reality is God's going to, excuse me, not God, Satan is going to bring lies that sound good, sound plausible, and they're, they're tricky because they don't seem crazy, crazy. They don't just seem totally absurd. Absurd. So maybe it's like Satan begins to make you think, well, maybe, maybe just parts of God's word are true. Or maybe if God is love, then maybe there's no such thing as sin and we shouldn't call out sin. Or he may delude you into thinking, you know, man, there's lots of good people. Maybe there's lots of ways to heaven. Maybe it's not just one. And see, he throws you this little trick, this little lie, and then it seems like just one small step, but then six months down the road, you've drifted away from Christ and your, your, your walk has not been found to be steadfast. It's been found to be wavering. I don't wanna be like that. I wanna be someone who's steadfast. Again, I said, I know who, we, all, we all know people that are like that. I can think about, um, man, some of the hospital visits I've made or even calls I've made, I'm always so blessed, so amazed by the faith of, I'm looking at these pictures out here, the faith and the steadfastness of the people at Southcrest. I, I don't know if this is wrong to do, um, but I think about Steve Evans, man, it's a godly man. And I think about the times, even I think it was two weeks ago, I called just to check on him and his wife. And I was trying to call and encourage him. And he began to just tell me of his trust in the Lord, of his faith in the Lord, and who he's praying for that he's met at the hospital. And I'm going, I rejoice to see your good order and firmness of faith in Christ because this, you are steadfast. I Man, he is not wavering. Even though he's in the hospital, he's had all these surgeries, he's still unwavering and steadfast trust in the Lord. I want to be like that. What is it that makes him like that? Think about students who I've known who, regardless of what's going on around them, regardless of the, the pressures of the culture and the times, they continue to study God's word. They continue to say, I'm not going to let down my morality or what I, my convictions just to please people or just to be in a certain relationship. They, they stay true and steadfast on Christ. I mean, what is it that is different about them? The cool thing about the scripture here is it's like Paul kind of pulls back the curtain a little bit of the things that help lead to, it's not an, ex, an exhaustive list, but the things that help lead to you not being deluded. As individual believers, maybe more importantly, as a body of Christ, that we would not be deluded and be led astray. So again, Verse four, he says, don't miss it. And the things that we're not gonna, we don't wanna miss so that we can be found to be steadfast and unwavering in verses one through three. So what I wanna do is some, semi-quickly walk us through verses one through three. And what are those things that help us have an unwavering, steadfast faith? What is behind the faith of an unwavering Christian? What is the bedrock? What has been the, the fertilizer for an unwavering, deeply rooted Christian. You could even apply it to the church. What is behind the faith? What is behind an unwavering, steadfast, stable, doesn't have to be trendy, church? The answers, verses one through three. He says, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea, which was uh, about 10 miles from Colossae 
And for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So here's the first thing. I said there's three things. Here's the first thing. Behind every unwavering Christian is another Christian who struggled for them. This is so cool. And this really goes back to uh, chapter one, verse 29, where Paul says that he's, he wants everyone, and verse 28, that he pr- proclaims Christ so that everyone may be mature in him. And he says in verse 29, I toil for this. I'm struggling with all his energy that he works powerfully within me. And then in chapter two is when he says, again, I want you to know how great a struggle I've had for you. So Paul has been putting in work to, to struggle for them, toil for them, so that they might be mature in Christ, that they might be found unwavering, that they might be stable. You could say it this way, that every strong, mature Christian stands on the shoulders of another Christian who struggled, who sacrificed for them. Now I think about this sanctuary that I'm standing in, hopefully we'll all get to be in together very soon. We get to come in here, celebrate and sing, enjoy a beautiful place to worship because people before us struggled and sacrificed and gave because they realized there was people that would follow them. They toiled and struggled so that we would grow and be mature in Christ. Every unwavering Christian, behind them stands another Christian who's been pouring into them, who's been investing in them. That's what Paul said he was doing for them. He he wrote the book of Colossians. Obviously the Holy Spirit inspired him, but there was still struggle there. There was still toil as he wrote it out. He had uh, correspondence with, uh, through Epaphras back and forth to them. He prayed for them. He was in prison because of the gospel. So he had struggled that, so that they would mature and grow in Christ. I love verse five. It says, I, I'm absent in body, but I'm with you in spirit. Again, so this, the Holy Spirit lives, lived in them and lived in Paul. And said, we have this bond of the Holy Spirit. Man, I long to be with you. I have the same heartbeat as you guys. And my longing is to be with you. But he says, I rejoice to see your good order and the firmness of your faith. So he's been struggling that they would grow mature and be found unwavering. And he says, I rejoice that you're doing well. It makes me think, you know, really well-kept manicured lawns don't just happen. Wouldn't it be nice if they did? Like they just, it was just there. But no, it takes work. So whether you're paying a yard guy to come and uh, you're paying good money for him to come and manicure your lawn or you are out there on Saturday sweating for two hours, when you get done, you look at the yard and you rejoice at the good order of the yard. And you're like, man, this is good. It looks good, but it took work. When you finish a great meal, you know, I love uh, when people pray and they say, bless the hands that when they're uh, praying for their food and they say, bless the hands that prepared it. Because good tasting artistic food doesn't just happen. Someone toiled and labored and worked. When you think about a school project that maybe you've, you've just turned in or, and we're nearing finals, the end of the school year, you've been putting in a lot of toil. And when you graduate or finish that grade, you look back and you rejoice at what was accomplished. And right now, parents may be rejoicing even more than students, amen? Um, but there's work that goes in to the growth, to the maturity. 
every Christian that is unwavering, that is stable, that is steadfast, that is founded on Christ and growing strong, behind them stands someone who's been investing them in, sorry, investing in them, someone who has been putting in work. You can say it this way. Unwavering Christians don't happen unintentionally. Unwavering Christians don't just happen on accident. It takes work. It takes struggle. And I love the way, that's the first thing. I love the way Paul builds this. He says, first thing, man, I've been struggling for you. And what has he been struggling for? It'll show us our second ingredient. He says, I've been struggling that your hearts may be encouraged being knit together in Love. I mean, don't ever underestimate the power of encouragement. Here's the second thing. Behind every unwavering Christian is an encouraging community. It says that your hearts might be encouraged being knit together in love. So part of the encouragement, the literally being instilled with courage, fortified with courage to keep standing strong, to keep going forward, to keep maturing, to keep being unwavering, comes from being knit together in love. So quite literally, we're better together. There is strength in numbers. Absolutely. We make each other better. How, how is there encouragement from community? How does the community encourage you? And a couple of things. I think about what it says in Hebrews that we are not to forsake the assembling of each other, but we're to encourage other, uh, one another all the more as we see the day approaching and literally to shake one another up to love and good deeds. So we encourage each other by saying, hey, wake up. Keep pursuing Christ, keep growing, keep digging in, keep knowing him more, keep struggling so other people can grow. We encourage each other by shaking each other up. We also, we intervene in each other's lives. I think when we're knit together in love, do not hear that as, oh, we just, we just come to church, we just love each other. No, sometimes love is having the hard conversation. Sometimes love is 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, realizing that God's word is, yes, it's to teach, but it's also to correct and reprove. Not that I'm going around, we're going around beating each other up with the Bible, that we intervene in each other's lives and saying, hey, I see this in you. I, I wanna encourage you. I wanna, I wanna challenge you to grow and, and to, to make your life reflect the life of Christ found in scripture. So we, we shake each other up. We, we intervene. We also remind each other of the gospel truth. Man, that's how we're knit together in love and we're encouraged and encouraging community is we remind each other when we fall down that the righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. Hey, come on, brother, get back up. Man, you feel like you've fallen too far. I wanna remind you that his grace is sufficient for you. Hey, brother, I wanna, sister, I wanna remind you, man, don't grow weary in well-doing. Keep pursuing Christ. Keep growing. Don't give up. Keep pushing on. Behind every unwavering Christian is an encouraging community. And I was, I was thinking through... Uh, illustrations for this. And I think like, you know, team sports is a good idea of, we, if you've played any kind of team sport or been on a team of any kind, you realize the synergy and the collaboration that happens that makes you stronger, makes you better there. But I got to thinking, I don't have to really like prove you this point right now. If there's ever been a, time, been a time in our lives, our generation, you could say, that we have longed for community and realized how important being a part of a body of encouraging believers is, is right now, amen? Like we're ready to be together. Zoom calls are great, FaceTime is great, but there's something that happens about being together in person, loving each other, encouraging each other, challenging each other. 
Here's what Paul's saying. Behind every unwavering Christian is an encouraging community. So you show me a strong, stable, steadfast believer. Show me a strong, stable, steadfast church. And we're gonna show you a strong, stable, steadfast, encouraging community that's been behind them, helping push them. And here's the cool thing. So he says, I've been uh, uh, toiling, struggling, striving that you would be encouraged. And that encouragement, that, that community of encouragement helps accomplish this next thing, which is our third thing. I'm gonna start in verse two again. Been struggling so that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and again, even a bigger purpose, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and Knowledge. So here's the kind of the third ingredient of the unwavering Christian. Behind every unwavering Christian is a deep knowledge of Christ. A deep knowledge of Christ. So they're encouraged, they have this encouraging community, and that community helps also produce this deep love and knowledge for Christ. He says, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding. So not literally like this is not health and wealth that you're gonna have a million dollars if you trust in Christ. Not at all. We don't believe in that mess. No, it's the riches, the, the rich life, what Jesus said. He said, I've come, they may have life and have it abundantly, have it to the full. So there's a fullness, a vitality, a richness of life that comes from a full understanding and knowledge of God's mystery, which is the mystery is Christ. When he says the full assurance, that is a fullness, a completeness. So there's a, a vitality, a richness, a, a, you could even say a joy of life that comes with having a deep knowledge of Christ. So here's what the cool thing. This is not, um, I think the word I'm looking for is Gnosticism. We're not saying that you can't know Christ. Well, we'll never know the depth of him. But at the same time, so we can know Christ. There, but at the same time, there's a fullness of it. So this idea of, I don't think I'm explaining this really well, but this, if you have a thought of, yeah, I know Christ, I read my Bible some, I know him. Yeah, we're, I understand it. You've nowhere near plumbed the depths of the riches of knowing the majesty and the fullness and the greatness and the depth of Jesus Christ. But at the same time, we don't wanna go over here and say, well, I'll never know the fullness of Christ. I'll never understand him, so I'm not gonna try. No, you can know him. You can begin to understand him and walk with him, have a relationship with him. Am I, am that making sense? All right. <laughs> Behind every unwavering Christian is a deep knowledge of Christ. I love that he says, and, and we describes Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So I think this verse actually describes way better the tension I was just trying to describe. In whom are hidden, not hidden like God went and hid it so you couldn't find it. Hidden as in stored up. They're, they're stored, there's treasures. So all the riches, the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are stored up, are found in Christ. So again, it's not some game that God's trying to play where he's trying to keep it from you. You know, he says, all the riches, all the treasure of wisdom and knowledge is found in Christ. You have so much to dig into, so much to dive into and to enjoy and to study and to learn and know in Christ because all of the riches of wisdom and knowledge are in him, not in Buddha, not in Gandhi, not in Muhammad. They're in Jesus and him alone. So turn to him. 
behind every unwavering Christian is a deep knowledge of Christ. I chose the word knowledge, one, because it's there, but I chose it intentionally. I, I thought about saying relationship because it is about a relationship with Jesus. But if I'm honest, I think, and I'm gonna pick on my generation a little bit, I think we hear relationship and we then kind of cut off knowledge. And we say, well, I'm just gonna kind of feel my way through this. What, what is my gut telling me? What is God saying to me? And we do wanna listen to the Holy Spirit. Don't get me wrong. We want to listen to the Holy Spirit. But we hear relationship and tend to think that means I can just ignore scripture. No, he says it's a knowledge of Christ. How do I know Christ? I dig down, I, I bury my life into the word of God. And in so doing, I'm digging in to the treasures and the riches of wisdom and knowledge, which are found in Christ. Deep Christians, unwavering Christians, are deeply rooted in Christ. So I, I call this sermon, Don't Be a Tumbleweed. And we can also, by the way, say deep churches, unwavering churches have a deep knowledge of Christ. But call it don't be a tumbleweed because as you know, tumbleweeds, they can be really big. I remember one time I was driving with, uh, this is when I was the middle school pastor, probably seven years ago or so. And uh, I picked up this student, we're going to McDonald's because uh, he just received Christ. We're gonna talk about what it meant to, to grow in him. Super exciting. But on our way to McDonald's, we literally stopped and pulled over to the side of the road because there was a tumbleweed that was as tall as him. And you know who you are. You remember who you are, buddy. But this tumbleweed was massive. We were joking about, I mean, this tumbleweed could, if it hits you at the, with the way the wind blows in Lubbock, it might kill you, bro. Like this, this tumbleweed is huge. At that point, I hadn't been in Texas real long and I was still just astounded by the size of this tumbleweed. But as you know, tumbleweeds may look big and impressive on the, on the outside, but their roots are so small don't go deep at all. And that's why they tumble around. That's why they're stacked up against your fence right now because they get blown around because they have no root. If you're not deeply rooted in, in, a, in a knowledge of a, and really a relationship with Christ, again, you can't have a relationship without knowledge. I can say I love my wife, but I don't know anything about her. I don't have a relationship with her. So if you wanna have a deep, unwavering, steadfast relationship with Christ, you gotta know him. You gotta dig deep roots. You don't wanna be a Christian that just falls away at the slightest sign of hardship. You need to have a deep knowledge of Christ. And again, that comes through scripture and listening to the Holy Spirit. I found this picture, I think we can put it up uh, on the screen. Um, I'll trust that it's there. Uh, of a tree that, um, I think, yeah, there we go, perfect. I'll look at it too. This tree, I think it's in the uh, DC area, a pastor that I, um, follow on Instagram and posted this picture and I stole it. I don't know what he used it for, but I'm gonna use it for this. <laughs> um, but as you can see, this tree at some point, I'm gonna guess long ago, blew over or got knocked over. We can't quite see in this picture, but somehow it still has roots deep in the ground. So it literally has fallen over on the ground, but it's still alive. And I would say it's kicking pretty good. It's like, we have like we don't have many trees in Lubbock that's, that size. Like that's a good looking tree. If you are deeply rooted in Christ, you have a deep knowledge, not just about him, but of him. You have a deep relationship with him. Dug into the treasure of wisdom and knowledge that is him. Even when life knocks you over, even when storms, no matter what kind of storm they may be, push you over. If you're deeply rooted in Christ, you may be down, but you're not out. 
you're still gonna be producing fruit and still have abundant life because you're deeply rooted in Christ. A lot of us, we may on the outside, even a lot of churches, I would say, they may look good and okay on the outside, but any storm of culture or relativism may come and push them over. If they're not deeply rooted in Christ, we found to be really not real, not steadfast, not stable, not solid. Paul says, and I would say to you, and really the Lord would say to you, I don't want you to be found unwavering, I don't want you to be found wavering and faulty and falling over. I want you to be steadfast and sure, even when people tried to come and delude you. And what is behind or even beneath the faith of a Christian who's gonna stand firm and steadfast and stable? What is behind the faith of a church that's gonna be stable and steadfast and unwavering? I can guarantee you three things. You're gonna see behind them and beneath them someone, another Christian who's been struggling and toiling on their behalf. You're gonna see an encouraging community of believers, what we call the church, that's been encouraging them and pushing them along to grow and stay steadfast. And you're also gonna see that they have a deep knowledge of Christ. So here's what I think I, I see from all of this. I think if Paul was here to say, yeah, I've been working hard for this. Unwavering Christians don't just happen. It's not an accident. It doesn't happen overnight. It is not unintentionally, oh, that, just, that was cool. No, it takes work. Daniel in, in scripture, the man Daniel, didn't just wake up one day and say, you know what? I think I'm gonna be a really strong man for God. No, he woke up every day and became Daniel. I guarantee you had someone investing in, it, in him. He had in a community, maybe it was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that spurred him on. And he had a deep knowledge of God. I think about the apostle Peter, he didn't just wake up one day, Jesus I'm sure would attest to this. He didn't just wake up just one day and like, I think I'll be a really strong man of the Lord. I'll be a rock. No, Jesus poured a lot of time into him. He had an encouraging community, the disciples and eventually the church. And he did have a deep knowledge of Christ. I really was planning on saying this. I'm not just saying this because he's sitting in here, but our senior pastor, David Wilson, he didn't just wake up one day and become the man that he is. He's had people invest in him. I think one of those men is probably his dad. I'll take that liberty to say that. But he's had men invest in him. He's had an encouraging community. I'm looking at these pictures right here of Southcrest. Yes, we're, we're part of the flock too. He's part of the flock too, even though he's our, our uh, under shepherd here under the Lord's work. But we've encouraged him as a community and he has a deep knowledge of Christ. That's why he's unwavering and steadfast and stable. So, so what do we do about that? If those are, it's not an exhaustive list, but if those are three things that make up uh, an unwavering church, an unwavering believer, what do we do? A couple things. I, I think, first of all, if you would look at your life and say, man, I feel like I'm, Paul would say of me that I'm in good order and have firmness of faith in Christ. I'm not being deluded. I'm not unwavering. Don't get prideful about that. Realize that you've had some people who have toiled You've have, you have some people that have invested and sacrificed and worked hard to help shape you into the person that you are. Obviously the Holy Spirit shapes us. He's the one that sanctifies us, but God also uses people to help in that process. So if you would say, man, I, I do, I feel like I have a firm faith in Christ and I'm growing in him. I want you right now to stop and think who has invested in you? Who has toiled and struggled so that your heart would be encouraged, that you would have a deep knowledge of Christ? 
And I want you even right now to text them or maybe write down the name. If you're gonna write a long text, maybe don't do that yet, but to write down their name or think of the name, who is that person? And maybe when we're done with this message in the service, after we sing here in a bit, maybe you actually wanna go get some stationery, get a letter and actually write them. This would be even cooler. Write them a handwritten letter. I wanna thank you for the investment you've made in my life. I'm unwavering because you struggled for me. You toiled for me. You invested in my life. And the reality is we, we could enlist all the people that have done that because God uses people even when we're not aware of it. But I'm sure there's someone you could think of that you could send a text, give a call, write a letter, or Lord willing here soon, even showing up at their doorstep maybe, um, and say, I wanna thank you for how you've invested in my life. Second way to respond, I think a lot of us would realize, man, maybe I've, I have been kind of wavering and I need to be disciplined in some of these things. The idea of, of good order, uh, firmness of your faith is the idea of discipline. So, Part of the way I become unwavering is I need to work at putting some of these things into practice. So if you would look at your life and say, man, I, I feel like my, my Christian walk is like this. Let me be clear, we all have hills, ups and downs. We don't always live on the mountaintop. But if you would say, man, I feel like my, my faith in Christ is not steadfast, it's kind of wavering. Now I wanna, I wanna challenge you to do these things, to realize that unwavering believers have someone pouring into them. So Go and invite somebody, ask someone, hey, would you invest in my life? Maybe it's once a month getting coffee or right now once a month Zoom call, but would you spend some time pouring into my life? Look at someone who would say, man, that's the kind of dad I wanna be. That's the kind of mom I wanna be. That's the kind of brother or sister in Christ I wanna be. That's the kind of believer I wanna be. And ask them to invest in you. A quick side note, I would encourage you to go with them and have some questions because most people aren't gonna say, yes, I would love to just pour out all the wisdom I have. Come to them with some questions and say, hey, can you help me grow in this area? Maybe you're unwavering because you're not part of an encouraging community that's knit together in love. I wanna, man, if you've just, like, how did Pastor David say it last week? If you've just been kind of a perpetual, eternal visitor, maybe it's time to join the church to realize, man, this is, I'm gonna plug in roots here at the Southcrest community or somewhere. Maybe it's time that you join a small group. Even now, even though our small groups can't meet in person, our small groups are still ministering to each other, still encouraging each other. They're still knit together in love. So jump in a small group. If you're not in a small group, I'm gonna bet, a small group of some sort, it doesn't have to be Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. If you're not in a small group of some sort, I'm gonna bet that your faith is not as steady and stable and unwavering as it could be. So get in community, get in a small group, get in, if you're in the next gen, we call it trail team, get in a trail team. And the, the other thing I would say, if your faith is kind of unwavering, I would challenge you to dig in to the knowledge of Christ, to dig deep roots. Think about how silly this is. How silly would it be if you had a treasure chest in your backyard, but you said, you know, I'm just too busy to go dig in there. I, I, we're, our family's really struggling financially right now. I know there's a treasure chest, but I just don't have the time to go back there. We would say, what is wrong with you? Go get a shovel and go dig in the treasure chest. Or if you said, you know, I know there's a treasure chest in my backyard, but I don't really understand what all the coins mean. I know there's ways I could figure out what it all means. That would just take some work. I don't wanna bother with it. We do that with scripture, don't we? We have a treasure chest in our backyard, so to speak. But we say, ah, I'm just too busy. Ah, I don't really understand it. And so we don't dig. 
I wanna challenge you, put away the excuses and start digging into God's word so you can enjoy the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Start digging so that you won't always be wavering. And then another thing I wanna challenge you with is to toil, is to struggle. And this is not just, this is not for a particular generation, this is for all of us. It is silly, it's irresponsible and it's foolish for us to complain about the state of our world and the state of the generation that's coming up if we don't struggle and sacrifice to invest in them. Unwavering Christians have behind them someone who's been toiling and investing in their life. Again, we get to stand in this room well, very soon. We get to worship together. It's one example because people uh, struggled and toiled to make this happen. Now I wanna encourage you parents, struggle and toil that your kids may know Christ. It's work. Leaders, I don't mean just mean in the church. I mean anywhere where you're a leader, struggle and toil that the people you lead may know Christ and mature in him. Now I always get frustrated when we complain about and I do it too. We complain about the state of the U.S. But if we're not making disciples, it's on us. It's time we start struggling and toiling and investing in people. So I wanna ask you, if that speaks to you, write someone's name down. Who do you need to invest in? Who do you need to struggle for that they might grow in Christ or, or know Christ? Write their name down. Make some moves this week to make that happen. And the last thing, and I'll close with this. If you've never trusted Jesus as your savior, you can know him. Again, he's the one who's, I don't know why you wouldn't want to know him. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him and hidden as in, they're stored up in him. So why would you not want to know him? I don't know. You, when you know him, you can have freedom from your sin and your past and have a hope for the future of living a purpose-filled life in Christ. It's simply, first of all, realizing that you're a sinner in need of his saving grace believing that Jesus lived a perfect life, died the death that you deserve, and then rose again and offers you salvation if you would turn to him. So he's not just believing that, it's belief. Real faith makes you do something. You can say you believe something. If you really believe it, you'll do something. That's what faith is. So faith is then say, repenting. So I've been headed towards hell, been headed towards my sin and doing things my own way. But because of the gospel, because of Jesus Christ, what he's done for me, I'm gonna turn around and walk towards Jesus and live life his way because I'm confessing him as Lord, meaning boss. He is in charge of my life. So this morning, Maybe the time is for you to commit your life to Christ, to repent from your sin and turn to him and believe in him. It says that when you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Man, if you wanna do that this morning, I wanna invite you to, to click the connect button or I think there's a raise your hand button. If you're on Facebook, send us a message. We would love to know and follow up with you. We're not gonna bug you. We're not gonna show up at your door right now, but we do wanna send you some information to help you grow in your walk with Christ and see what some of those first steps are. Man, I'm gonna pray for us. And then however God has led you to respond in some of those action points that I gave you, I want you to respond as we sing this song. And then when I'm done singing, not when I'm done singing, you already heard me sing, you don't want that. But when they're done singing, uh, I'll have one quick announcement for us and we'll be dismissed. But let's respond as we sing this song. Jesus, thank you so much for your word and that all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in you. God, we pray that we would be unwavering, stable Christians. 
And we pray that our church will continue to be an unwavering, stable, steadfast church. Deeply rooted in you and encouraging to community knit together in love that we would struggle and strive and toil and work hard to invest in other believers. That we would have a vision that goes beyond ourselves, but that we would have a kingdom mindset. All because you are really great God who is worthy of our worship. God, I pray that as we sing this song, we will respond boldly. It's in your beautiful, powerful name that we pray, amen. If you are encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcast. The goal of the venue is to help you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus by being relational, helpful, hopeful, and real. Thanks again for listening to the Venue Podcast.